welcome to the podcast, everybody. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Nassau County Libertarian Party. Here in Nassau County, they are running candidates for the first time without having a petition. 2019, it is a big year. They would like you to go to their website. Go to NassauLibertarian.org. You could join the party. You could donate. You could get involved in some of these campaigns. They're running candidates all over the county. Uh, you also go to NCLP.strikingly.com. That's nclp.strikingly.com or nassaulibertarian.org. Either one of those takes you to their page, and you can make your donations or just join the party, get involved, volunteer, whatever you want to do. You all can also can follow them on Twitter at Nassau County LP, or go to the Facebook page, join the Facebook group, get involved in the discussion, learn about what they are doing this year. Also, we are sponsored by The Sharp Way with Larry Sharp. Larry Sharp was the 2018 New York gubernatorial candidate. Now he is launching The Sharp Way, a brand new show where answers, solutions, and common ground can be found so that together we can forge a way forward. You can follow The Sharp Way on Twitter at sharp underscore way, or you can go to the Facebook page at Sharp Way. There's also a website, www.sharpway.com. Please follow the show. Larry Sharp is awesome. He's a great speaker. He has a lot of insight. He traveled all over the state of New York, and he is looking to make a difference and make an impact and get more people involved in the libertarian principles, and he's doing it through his own show. So today's guest, speaking of the Nassau County Libertarian Party, one of the sponsors, we have Jake Gutterwitz. Jake Gutterwitz is the candidate for the 13th Legislative District. He is young, he is fresh, he's out of college, he's ready to go, he's, 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 uh, he's already fighting to uh, make an impact here in Nassau. He's seen what his parents have gone through, second he got out of college, he's like, I gotta get involved and make a difference, so people will stay in New York and on Long Island. So please, welcome Jake Gutowitz. <laughs> Thanks for joining me, Jake. How are you, buddy? Good. How are you? And thank you so much for having me here. This is like a third take for those who are just listening on the <laughs> audio. Uh, I've had some technical difficulties with some new equipment I uh, set up, so I appreciate the patience. And I also asked Jake for some time earlier. I had to go run out and grab something to eat. I can't do interviews on an empty stomach. And I said, uh, you know, I was telling him the story, going to uh, the Quito's here in Merrick, and I uh, walk in, and there's the uh, no extra uh guacamole today sorry sign so i got to thank president donald trump and his uh excessive tariffs for that so no guacamole for you listen you free trade affects every aspect of our lives that's it's, right it's, it's, it's the sad reality that's it so i appreciate uh jake jake is running for the uh, 13th district here in nassau county but his uh his activism started way before then we had a conversation one time, uh, Jake, if you would fill in my guess about uh, your college days. Uh, you just recently graduated, but uh, there's been some activism in your past. Tell us about it. Yeah. So I just recently graduated from LIU Post, where I spent my senior year sitting as a senator on the student government. Um, and I chose to sit as a senator and do this work because of the massive amount of censorship that the university was taking part in. President Kimberly Klein, who, by the way, has been thrown out of more universities than I can count on one hand, um, is basically a dictator post. She is a crook. About two years ago now, an anonymous poet started posting poems all over campus, hanging them up all over the place, about all of the horrible things going on at post, from mold in the dorms to the massively failed bike share program to the increases in tuition to the credit caps on students per semester. Um, security was actively ordered to take those down. And you, you would see security guards taking down these poems, the, these, these satirical poems um, and, uh, by a woman who called herself Queen Mab. Um, absolutely wonderful. Then about a year ago, these anonymous pamphlets started being released called Common Sense in obvious reference to Thomas Paine's common sense before the American Revolution, talking about 
the horribleness of things going on campus. Mold, the the admission crisis, the financial crisis, all of these things. And again, security began to take them down by direct order from President Klein. Um, Protecting you know, the students from uh, free speech. It, well, and that and that's exactly it. You know, <laughs> people call Trump a fascist. But they do not know the definition of fascism until no. they talk to President Klein and attend post. And so I joined the student government to try and fight the censorship and fight for free speech. What we asked of our administration was <clears throat> to recognize the Chicago Statement on campus. What is the Chicago Statement? The Chicago Statement is a statement of free speech, and that free speech will be protected, that was issued by the University of Chicago, a private institution. This statement has since been accepted and supported by, I believe, every Ivy League institution, as well as tons of other uni private universities all around the country. Our administration essentially told us to go to hell. They, they realized that I would be graduating soon. They realized that my colleagues fighting with me would be graduating soon. And to this day, there is massive censorship going on on campus. Um, and that is why I would like to begin to become an activist on Long Island, right? Because I see prob this problem on Long Island, right? This problem yes. of affordability on Long Island. The fact that families are no longer able to make ends meet living in Nassau County. And the only thing I don't see is politicians trying to fix it. You know, I see County Executive Curran's tax reassessment plan, which we'll talk about a little more. It's a disaster. I see Republican politicians fighting for the status quo, essentially, and when Repu the status quo is not working for anyone. The, the, um, the, the Republicans are just a dog and pony show at this point. They just show up uh, to, to, to maintain a seat. They're not doing anything to change the outcome here in Nassau County. And that's the sad thing, right? Politicians in Nassau County, one of the most corrupt counties in the nation, I, <laughs> I would venture to yes. say. Yes. Um, politicians in Nassau County fight only to maintain their own power. They do right. not fight to make things better. And that's that's why I'm running, because things have to get better. Otherwise, they're going to get a lot worse. And it, we can't get much worse here. I mean, if you look at the U.S. News and World Report, uh, actually ranked New York this, as a state. Um, and the state of New York is ranked number 48 for affordability. If I put Nassau County... On the list, I think Nassau County is the third or fourth like most expensive county in in the nation. Uh, the median income is about ninety two thousand a year to be considered middle class. The rest of America, you're looking at fifty six thousand dollars to be considered middle class. So there's a huge gap there. And let me tell you something: making ninety two thousand dollars in Nassau County, uh, you basically might as well still be on welfare <laughs> to live here and to be able well, to, to pay the taxes. I'll tell you, a friend of mine graduated from college a year ago, 21 years old, got a job with a company working in data science, right? He's making $76,000 a year, and on $76,000 a year, he cannot afford to move out of his parents' home and live on his own in an apartment. And not, to to, not to mention pay back room. those – not to mention pay those student uh, loan bills. <laughs> loan bills back. You know, right. student, student loans are a funny thing, right? You see people turning to socialism to solve the student loan crisis. And, you know, it's not the right solution, but I get why they're turning to it. I get that these people are desperate. They're turning to it out of desperation. And how do you fix a student loan crisis overnight? Overnight. You extend students the basic right of capitalism to declare bankruptcy. Yeah. Because... You know, when, when you start a business, right, you invest a certain amount of time and money into this business. You take out loans to get this business ready, and then you launch this business, and well, you know something, you screwed up, it just doesn't work, and you have to go out of business. You, rather than losing your home, declare bankruptcy. You are allowed to be forgiven of this debt. And why are you allowed to be forgiven of this debt? Well, the way we used to do it is if you had this kind of debt, we'd throw you in debtor's prison until your family could pay it off. And that happened in the United States until we came out with bankruptcy laws in the 19th century. Going to college and investing all this time and money is not that different than opening up a business. You are investing time and money in your future, and, well, you know something? It didn't work out. You should have the right to declare bankruptcy. 
see the problem with this and i'm not going to stick on this point for too long because i could talk for days about the federal uh the federal government uh back in these student loans that's the main problem yes. is because you are told when you get into high school that you must go to college you have to pick a college you got to get your grades not everybody's built for college not everybody guess what new york state there's a shortage of plumbers and electricians you know why because everybody's been going to college nobody's been going to trade school learning these trades you make twice as much money coming out at 22 years old as a plumber you know i think they're charging like 60 dollars an hour for a plumber is because there's a shortage and they, they, there's money to be made in these other industries computers technically you don't need to go to college to get you need certifications you need to take courses, but there's technical schools that could get these A plus, C plus certifications, network certifications without going through the colleges. But there's other avenues. You don't have to take out these giant loans to pay. Um, but the federal government and the uh, indoctrination of the youth is telling you you must go to college. Oh, by the way, take out this loan. We'll back it. And guess what? I have friends. I'm almost 40. I have friends my age that are still owe $30,000, $40,000 in student loan debt. That's insane. He's you're working already for 20, 22, 20, you know, whatever. It's insane to think that you're still paying back student debt. Now, let's just get off this because I could just keep going. Sure. But I want to talk about the excessive taxation in Nassau County. Nassau County, we're going to talk about property taxes first. Nassau County's average is $11,000 is what you pay for property taxes. The state average is only 6000 about a little, almost half, right? The national average is 3,000. Nassau County is one of the highest tax counties in the nation, right? 60% of those property taxes go into public education. Now, I would say, listen, you got to pay for our kids to get educated. You want them all to do well and succeed. But the problem is we are ranked number 20th in the nation in education. So you're not getting your money's worth. What do you do to change? Cut back on the excessive taxation if you were elected. Sure. So, you know, especially when we're talking about education, this problem is twofold. But let, let, let's start with how taxes are supposed to work, um, assuming you believe in really any kind of taxation, right? So the government asks you to give them a little bit of what you make so that they can provide you with some basic services, right? And ideally, they're minimal services, but services nonetheless. And then every year, the government generally raises your taxes. And that's based on the premise that people are making more money the next year than they were the year before. Well, the problem with this is that wages across the country have been stagnant since the mid-70s. We, we are not making any more money today than we were making in the mid-70s. Yet every year, the government asks us for more. Right. That's more and more of our income that we cannot spend. And you know, we're not talking about people spending these these this extra income on lavish vacations we're talking about the average person not having to sweat it if their stove goes down and they need to purchase a new appliance right or there's a leak in the pipe the average person in nassau county where the median income is ninety two thousand dollars a year should not have to sweat basic necessities and and what they do is they just charge up their credit cards to pay for these other necessities that they have to cover getting themselves into further debt and, you know, listen, that's your choice. You make that a choice. But it doesn't help so when the county – it doesn't help when the county choice. beats you down into when, it. When your family is relying on certain things and you do not have the money to pay for that, and a large part of that is because of excessive taxation, it is not your choice to have to swipe that credit card. It is a necessity. You don't have a choice. Your children need to eat. Your house needs to be warm in the winter. Yeah. You got to do what you got to do to survive. And, you know, as a Nassau resident myself and um, seeing what has happened to friends of mine who own properties around here as well, this tax reassessment plan that was put forth and introduced last year out of the blue, all of a sudden, oh, by the way, we reassessed everybody's property values, um, about more than half of you are screwed. And, you know, what kills me is the people who get getting screwed in this deal are the people that grieved their taxes in the past. Sure. For already high taxes, you know, they're struggling to get by and their property taxes have been going up for years and they grieve their taxes saying, listen, I haven't done any work to my house. My property ain't going up that much. I want to grieve my taxes. So they grieve them. They are reduced. They get a reduced rate in their property taxes because the county said, you know what? You're right. 
here's a deduction in your property taxes. You have you're paying too much. So the county solution to the problem is to punish those residents that fought to reduce their taxes before. Uh, Lauren Curran, the current Nassau County executive, who you may have to work with in, if you are elected as a legislator, because um, she is not running this year. Uh, she, I believe, is in next year. Believe, next yes. year. Um, she introduced this five-year plan, which will allow you to kind of alleviate some of the sting because you're going to get you know, hammered you know, with your tax bill. What do you do to stop this? Sure. So like you said, the problem with the reassessment is that more than half of the people's taxes are going to go up. Um, it benefits a very few people, unfortunately. Um, how do you stop this? Well, you know something? I agree that we need a reassessment of our taxes. 100% county executive current's plan is, is faulty at best um, and, like you said, vindictive at worst, punishing people for grieving their taxes. And let's remember that when people grieve their taxes, we're not talking about going from $11,000 a year to the national average of $3,000 a year. We're right. talking about that my parents who own a home have grieved their taxes over the last five or six years and have gone down to roughly $13,000 a year. <laughs> What a what a big lift. <laughs> you know, this is the kind of insanity we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we need to reassess people's taxes. We need to have a tax rate that makes life on Long Island affordable. Because what do high tax? What does excessive tax? Excessive property taxes do, right? Excessive property taxes are not just the reason that you can't stay in your home. Excessive property taxes are the reason that you can't afford an apartment on Long Island. When, when when property taxes start skyrocketing, that's when apartments, a tiny little studio apartment starts costing between $2,500 and $3,000 on Long Island. $2,500 to $3,000 to live in a room, to live in a space that's not much bigger than my bedroom. And my yeah. bedroom's not that big. <laughs> Long Beach, uh, I think Long Beach, uh, uh, they're charging like 3000 for a studio apartment down in Long Beach. It's insane. And how are you supposed to... Um, expect Nassau residents because another problem that this brings is that most people who are retiring are taking their pensions and leaving the state of New York, the county. So they're fitting the bill for these pensions, the state and the counties, and they are not reciprocating by getting anybody spending that money here within the county, hurting the economy. Now, so, you know, go ahead. So here's the way I see Long Island financially, right? There's three different groups of people on Long Island financially that I that I can see, right? You have young people like myself who are graduating college or leaving high school and trying to get started in the workforce and begin to start their lives, looking around saying, oh, my God, I can't afford to live here. I can't afford to buy a hamburger here. I have to I have to go. And they have to make the tough choice of leaving Long Island and even tougher leaving their families. You have older people who have you know, middle-aged people who have, who have begun to make their lives on Long Island, who have families here, who are trying to raise their families here, who have two incomes coming into their house and still can't make ends meet, right. and are faced with this tough choice of, well, you know, I have my career here, I have, I'm working towards a pension here, but I can't afford to live here. Am I going to have to leave Long Island and figure out life somewhere else and start all over again? Right. And then this third group is you have these people who have retired, who luckily through pensions and things like that, they will probably be able to live out the rest of their lives on Long Island and are watching their children and their grandchildren have to leave them. Right. I think the increase, uh, there's been a huge increase in the amount of uh, couples that are rec that are getting married and actually moving back in with their parents to save up the money to purchase a home on Long Island. I mean, in, in certain neighborhoods like Merrick, you, you're looking at you need a half a million for a, uh, a house you got to strip down to the bones and redo. <laughs> so, um, you know, affordability and opportunity is another problem here in New York. We are ranked 44th in the nation in opportunity to place a start a business to raise a family. Business opportunities on Long Island are dwindling. The small Businesses are being hurt by the talk of a $15 minimum wage, and I know um, 
you know, Governor Cuomo is always promoting his $15 an hour, you know, man, the, guess what? <laughs> it's a lot of these small businesses can't afford that sure. much. You know, they, they, a lot of business owners have to show up every day and work just as hard as, you know, just to keep their business going. So what do you do about business opportunities um, and promoting um, businesses to come back to Nassau County? Is there anything on, if you are a legislator, any bills that you would put forth or anything to encourage businesses to come back? Sure. So very first, simply lowering property taxes will encourage businesses to come back. And now why is that? Why is that? Because a large part of the reason businesses can't afford to be in Nassau County is because they can't afford to pay rent in Nassau County. They cannot right. afford a storefront. You know, drive around Nassau County, look at all of the shopping centers. Empty storefronts everywhere. That, exactly. Empty storefronts everywhere. Yep. Businesses cannot even afford to get into the buildings. Once they can, they will have a much easier time. <clears throat> I think we need some massive tax breaks for small businesses, right? Massive breaks in the sales tax. In fact, I would favor a redu- an overall reduction in sales tax in order to make this happen. Right, to encourage people to, to encourage exchange. People to- Exactly. It encourages businesses to come to Nassau County and it encourages people to go out and buy more. It encourages when you are paying 8% tax on everything you buy, you know something, you're going to go to Amazon, you're going to buy it for significantly less and without tax. And some of these neighborhoods that could really use business growth are neighborhoods that are affected right now by gang violence. Okay. Um, Nassau County has certain pockets within the County, uh, to have MS-13 problem. The president has talked about this before. And, I, you know, listen, I don't agree with him on everything. I don't, I'm not a big Trumpster. You know, when he does something right, I call it out. You know, that's a good idea. When he does something shitty, he's an asshole. I get it. It's a terrible idea. I'll say it. MS-13 is a legit problem. They find teenage kids dumped in, the, in parks all over Suffolk and Nassau County. So for you to tell me that there's no problem here with gang violence, there is. How do you address gang violence as a legislator? So we are already addressing gang violence by increased police enforcement, right? And let's be clear. On a national scale, statistically, gang violence is decreasing. The police are doing their jobs. It, it, it's working. But it's not working fast enough. So how do you supplement the police? Well, you need to bring in programs, community building programs, nonprofits that build communities for young people. You know, the sad reality is that young people are the major source of recruitment for gangs. And young people are being seduced by these gangs because they feel like they have no one else and nothing else to do. And so if you can create communities for young people to be in and to do things, then they're not joining gangs. So how do you do that? You create better zoning for nonprofits that are already doing this work. Right. You know, it, it, it's my opinion that the government is not good at managing anything, right? The government is not an expert in anything. Mm-mm. But what can the government do? The government can bring in the experts. And so that's what I'm advocating for, bringing in these nonprofit organizations who are doing work, who already know what they're doing, and creating better zoning for them and making more opportunity for them to expand their work. And I think as a legislator, you just pointed on something, uh, zoning. Yep. Zoning is a way that you could make that change as a legislator to allow for nonprofit organizations to operate within an area. Because I'm sure more people would start nonprofits if there was some sort of incentive. Absolutely. Like, hey, listen, this community needs help. We're going to zone this, you know, for YMCA or, you know, any anti-violence, anti-gang, you know, whatever. There's plenty of organizations out there that will come into the county and and it does, you have to address it with the youth. And another um, thing that the youth are affected by is this drug epidemic on Long Island. Now, nationwide, uh, heroin use has gone up. Long Island, it's an epidemic. And opioids. People get hooked on prescription drugs, which is thanks to Big Pharma and the big government, which is out of our league. So (laughs) that's a national issue. But, you know, move them aside. We're going to, you know, on a local level, um, heroin use, people who are users, um, 
often two times they're thrown in jail and locked away the key where they just hang out with drug dealers and what do you think they do when they get out? If we address an issue like a, a health issue and get people treatment rather than incarceration and time, that would benefit. Is there anything that you as a legislative could do to address the drug use on Long Island, National sure. County specifically? So we can fight drug use the same way we're fighting gang violence. You know, we're talking about high school kids being addicted to heroin and overdosing on opioids. Yeah. And so if we can incentivize nonprofits to build communities, we can prevent these young people from ever going down that road to begin with. But what do you do with all of these people that have already gone down that road and need help, right? You have to give tax incentives to private rehabilitation facilities to come to Nassau County and help take care of the problem. Give these people tax incentives to come in they will help take care of the problem. And now you're not throwing people in prison when they need help. So it's not costing the taxpayers any money. The community is being cleaned up and drugs are being sent out of it. Everyone benefits, doesn't cost us a dime, except for some tax incentive. Like I I ha- I, I, I've had friends um, themselves that have crossed that dark path. Um, first addicted to op- opioids, they were prescription pain killers, right? go through it way too fast, not be able to get the prescription filled, and the cheapest, easiest thing to turn to was heroin. Now, he was able to clean up, and, you know, in talking with him, um, it, it's a it's a wonderful story, and I'm going to have him come on uh, my podcast to discuss it one time, do a drug uh, special on this. Um, but the thing is, it affects everyday people, not people in just certain communities, everyday working people. He has a job. He traveled for business. He worked. I mean, he worked. He's a he's contributes to society. It's not like he's never done anything. It affects everybody. People in your district, Wantaw, Levittown, it, it, it's it's all over. And let's be uh, clear: making this mistake, whoever you are, you do not deserve to end up in prison for it. You need right. help. You need help. And uh, is there a bill that could be passed? Is there something that, uh, you know, you could just advocate for the, the when the police in, interact with these people, that they bring them to a hospital rather than to a jail cell? Well, and, and that's exactly it, right? You know, it's going to take a lot to change the, raw, the laws about drugs in, the, in this nation, let alone right. Nassau County. Um, and so what we can do is encourage police to try to help these people. Instead of trying to scare these people with drugs, you know, making them the, their enemy, become their friend. Take them to the hospital. Take them to a rehabilitation center and let them try to fix themselves. Don't encourage police to throw these people in prison. And another thing would be also maybe decriminalizing marijuana, which has already happened in several other states, Colorado, California. Um, it's been on the. Cuomo ran on, he's going to decriminalize it. Illinois already passed something since their new governor came in, uh, Pritzker. Um, Cuomo, yeah, we're going to take care of it, I promise. And he's it's not there anymore. It's gone. Um, Nassau and all the townships have already said, uh, yeah, they're not allowing cannabis or any um, CBP. Nothing happens in Nassau County. Nobody could open up a business and sell it. You know, um, what would you advocate for as a legislator? So I would advocate for the legalization of marijuana usage, right? So the problem here is that kids, high school kids, college kids, they're getting marijuana. Um, and they Whether don't it's have legal to. or not. It will, right. Exactly. Legal or not, they're getting marijuana. And the danger here is who they're getting it from. You have these kids, kids, who are getting marijuana, and it's being laced with other kinds of drugs and that's when things start to get dangerous dangerous when you are when you are using this marijuana that you have purchased and then dangerous because you are getting addicted to other kinds of drugs legalizing marijuana having it sold in stores semi-recreationally or recreationally or however you want to say it um well it would prevent a lot of that you would be getting pure marijuana that 
most studies show have no adverse health effects except for the fact that you shouldn't be taking smoke into your lungs. Right. I mean, uh, I've never heard of anybody overdosing on marijuana. Exactly. Yet, yet people that are given government-approved prescription drugs overdose and die. So yes. I think it's a le- less harmful. And when it comes to pain um, and PTSD, you know, it helps more than these other drugs that the big farmers pushing. Um, and it's less dangerous. Uh, in, in studies have shown this. Uh, I'm not an advocate for smoking marijuana. I don't smoke exactly. marijuana. I don't encourage anybody to do it. Sure. But at that same time, it's your body. It's your choice. You know. And the reality um, is, it's hurting you less than everyday things that you could do, like right. That you're taking over the counter, drinking alcohol. Right. Or in uh, fact, you're right. Over the counter medication. Right. Um. So yeah, I, it's it's an issue that has sat on Cuomo's desk since he got reelected and it's just going to sit there again and nothing's going to happen. But if it does, as a county legislator, you're going to allow and think about the potential business growth. Sure. We we're talking about businesses before in Nassau County coming back if they were to legalize it and uh, opening up dispensaries within the county, you would advocate doing so. Sure. I mean, when marijuana was first legalized in Colorado, right? recreational marijuana and these people were opening up stores i was watching interviews of people when i was you know younger about them making money hand over fist that they couldn't control the cash flow well that's good for the community it's good for the community because that goes back in tax revenue and that comes back to the community and services and and whether it's legal or not people every day still smoke marijuana you know it's it's not going anywhere and it was only decriminalized a long time ago for other reasons that have nothing to do with the dangers of marijuana and government can not control and tax it because you could just grow it in your yard if they legalize it government loses control uh, you know and they want to have control and that's that's another reason government is constantly fighting for control right and that's why i decided to run on the libertarian ticket because that's the one thing that libertarians are asking for, that the government have less control over our everyday lives, that the government just not force people to do things right. or to believe things. Um, and as I long as you're not harming anybody. Exactly. There's no as long problem. as you're not hurting anybody, I think most people can agree that they don't want the government making decisions for them. Right. Because like right. I said, I, the I government does not manage anything well. You no, have they... been to the Department of Motor Vehicles. Right. Everyone we'll who's of, listening to this podcast has been to the Department of Motor Vehicles. Right. You can a, see that the government can't manage things. Everybody hates going to the Department of Motor Vehicles. Exactly. And you know, uh, most politicians, like the congressional or state legislator, they all talk about the healthcare industry. Not one of them, very few of them, are doctors, have any knowledge of how the healthcare industry works. And these are the people that want to make our everyday decisions and have complete control. Government control is never the best option. Find experts within the private sector and private community, and you'll get better results all the time. I mean, well, let me look, tell you. look at Russia. When they were communists, the labor union, uh, labor party had control. They had people in charge of positions that they're not even qualified for making decisions. That's that's the problem. Government, just because you get elected doesn't make you, you know, you don't know everything. You have to be able to rely on the experts and the team and 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 there's been too much of this, uh, like AOC, I have every answer. But I do recommend you, uh, as a candidate, follow what she did because she had one of the biggest upstates, uh, upsets in New York or any congressional district race, period. Sure. Um, I, I mean, like this woman or not, and I don't. The congresswoman was very successful. She, she got people to listen. She got people to listen. She got so many people to listen that she unseated a sitting ranking democrat that is massively impressive and it proves that people want change and she's young and she's young that that fits you right there same old candidate that that fits you the young youth activists that want to change but change for better and your change is different than her change because it includes less control less government people and locality making more of the decisions for the local area um so Some like, way that this could help, I was going to get into, is ranked sure. voting with that being said. Sure. Um, you've talked about ranked voting. Explain to my listeners what ranked voting is um, here. It, you're trying to push it 
period. Um, but maybe we could try it locally first, see how it works out. Can you please explain? Absolutely. So, very simply, ranked voting allows people to have more choice when they go to the polls. Um, with more explanation, options. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Who wants more options? God forbid. Well, there should only be two options, Democrats and Republicans, right? That's what we're told every time. <laughs> and, and that's exactly it. You know, so many people tell me, well, I don't vote for third party or I don't vote for a little guy because it's a waste of a vote. Well, two things. First of all, I think that voting for the same person who has made the situation worse over and over and over again and fights only to maintain the power, it is a waste of a vote. I, I, I really believe, genuinely believe that. Um, the second thing is that ranked voting would start to destabilize the two-party system. It would start to break down the two-party system. And here's how. Right now, when you go to the polls, you pick one candidate for one office, and the candidate that gets the majority or the plurality, you know, whatever the laws may be, wins the election. Right. In a ranked voting system, you go to the polls, and you rank the candidates for your job, for the job, right? So you vote maybe libertarian, right? And you rank the libertarian candidate number one. And then you say, well, you know something? I realize the libertarian candidate might not win, so I'm going to rank the Republican number two. So what happens, right? Election day comes, you do that, they start counting the votes. They count the votes, and they see that neither the Democrat nor the Republican nor the Libertarian got the majority. They see that the Libertarian candidate got the fewest amount of votes. And so they eliminate his votes, and they redistribute them to whoever, to, to wherever people voted number two. So if you voted Republican number two, your vote gets redistributed to the Republican. If you voted Democrat number two, your vote gets redistributed to the Democrat. So therefore, your vote is never wasted is what exactly. you're telling me. Exactly. Your vote is never wasted. Your vote is never just thrown out. Now, so I now, have kind of, No, go ahead. I'm, I'm going to get – I know you have something that you want to show. So for my listeners that are listening on audio, um, we do have video up now. Uh, we're going to be live on Periscope YouTube channel. You can check it out and subscribe to those channels to see what he's about to show us. Um, so sorry for you audio listeners, you will not be able to see, but he's going to show us a little something. Go ahead. Sure. So let me share this display. Uh, you should be able to see it now. Yep. So this is a very simple diagram of how ranked voting works because you know something, I realize that when I say it out loud, it sounds a little more complicated than it is. And so it's very simple. You count the first place votes. You determine whether or not there's a majority winner. And you see here that there is not. No one has met this line. And so you eliminate this guy, and you start to redistribute his votes to the second, and then the third, and the fourth, and however many choices you had, candidate. So what does that do in the long term, right? That forces Democrats and Republicans to closer, more closely analyze who is voting for them. If the Republicans look at who's voting for them, and they say, oh, wow. 30% of our voters voted Libertarian first, then the Republicans have to seriously listen to Libertarian policy. Right, because now they're going to realize that those policies are affected. They see what they want change in. Exactly. You know, historically, third parties don't win elections. How do third parties make change historically? They make change by getting the two major parties to adopt their policy. Right. And that's what ranked voting, ranked voting would force these people to do. It would force them to listen to everyone's opinion, and it would make more people comfortable with voting their conscience. Look at the Democratic. Everything. Look at the Democratic Party. They've adopted socialist ideas over the years, and never has there been a socialist elected. But their policies exactly. are elected all the time. If you go exactly. to a ticket, you never see Democratic socialists or socialists or communists running. But it seems that we get more of these socialist ideas into policy. You know, this is one way that. You can see what the actual community wants, and exactly. even, even if you're not again, electing the third party, you're right. going to create change, and I, exactly. and I like that. That is a The great government example. can more actively represent its community, and I don't think anyone can argue with the merits of that. The only right. people that want to argue with the merits of that are the politicians that don't want to represent their communities. Politicians, uh, I would imagine, on Long Island. Right, and another issue uh, on Long Island that we have in Nassau County which in Suffolk County, um, they fought hand over fist for this. I've become a victim of this myself when I was out in Suffolk. The red light cameras. 
Yes, red light camera. That is a big thing that you're advocating in your campaign. Um, listen, red light cameras are revenue generator. Sure. Okay. Just like a lot of the BS local laws are a way to get revenue for the state and for the county. Well, it's yeah, not about I, safety. And, and, and silly little things, right? They use safety as, father, as a fear tax. My family just received a $99 bill for a fire alarm permit. Well, if I don't I've got, have a fire I've alarm, those too. What, what happens if I don't pay a $99 bill for the fire alarm? The fire department isn't going to come and save me? But let's talk about traffic cameras, right? So these traffic cameras are wildly unconstitutional, right? You cannot face your accuser when your accuser is a robot. When your accuser isn't even intelligent enough to be a robot, it's a camera. Right. Um, now, New York State skirts around this by not adding points to your license and just finding you. Still but still the same still, charge, though, yes, as, a, still, as exactly. violating a red light, which has to be, by law, observed exactly. by a police officer. And that's exactly it, right? And so, fine. Maybe you, maybe you believe that despite the issue of constitutionality of these cameras, that these cameras are a necessity because they're keeping us safe. Well, Suffolk County just released their report of their own traffic cameras and showing that accidents increased massively at intersections that have these traffic cameras versus intersections that don't. Why? You know why? Because people are afraid of I'm going to slam on my brake. On the brake. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's exactly it. Yeah. Because, yeah. And, and, and that's the other part of it, is that the tickets are just too expensive. You know, when you're issued the ticket, right, you get a $60 ticket and you say, okay, well, you know, $60, that really sucks. Fine. But then you see below it, fee, fine, $150, $200, and suddenly it's a $200 ticket. Who can afford a $200 ticket? The county cannot balance the budget on the back of the poor schmuck who was late for work because they had to drop their kid off at school after they missed the bus. Listen, I'll be honest with you. If it was about safety, there's another way to handle it. And listen, you could take this, steal it, use it, whatever. Uh, How about when you get a violation? Okay, if they really cared about safety, not generating revenue, this is just an idea, you go through a red light. Why don't you owe that community that you put at risk? Community community service for four hours of your day rather than paying a fine to the state. There you go. There's an idea. How about that? Because it's not about safety. It's about using the people as a pocketbook. It's, It's an endless, I can write endless checks. By the, by the people and just continuously pay whatever BS social program I, I want to put in that's just going to drain on the economy or pay some big shot uh, from upstate's $400,000 a year pension. So, and, and, and let me tell you, at yeah. least in Suffolk County, they're required to have signs at intersections that right. say there is a camera here. In Nassau County, they just try and trick you. Yeah, there's no there's no signs. So let's, let's get them. We'll just, you know, and, and that's a very interesting statistic that there has actually been an increase and I figured, this, you know, as I'm driving, like, oh, sh- there's a camera here, and then you slam it on your brake. You know, that could cause a lot more rear end collisions. This is not brain surgery. Me and you were able to figure that out before they released the report, and I would imagine most of Nassau County figured this out before they released the safety report. Right. So if, if if Nassau County residents want to see these cameras eliminated, that's a vote for Jake. That is a vote for Jake. Absolutely. <laughs> so tell um, everybody where what what districts uh, in Nassau County do you cover? Sure. So I am District 13, which right. is a little bit of Wantaw, a tiny, tiny bit of Seaford, and then a fair bit of Belmore, a fair bit of East Merrow, and a little bit of Merrick. So uh, East Meadow, like Belmore, Merrick. I might be able to pull up a map and share it with your video viewers. If that's something you're interested in. Sure. Um, so as a county legislator, as county your, po- your policies aren't just going to affect those people. They're going to affect the county as a whole. So, well, absolutely. You know, you know, just because I'm not people, getting rid of traffic cameras in District 13. I'm right, getting no, rid but, of traffic cameras throughout Nassau for County. For the whole county. So anybody who's yeah. listening from the county itself, uh, not just in your district, uh, it would help to get contributions and get people to yes. – Follow you and and and, so, and let's just spread the name Jake Gutterwitz to sure. fellow Nassau County residents to contribute because you know that's what this platform's all about. Um, sure. I started this you know a podcast 
uh, didn't know where I was going to go. I interview candidates, interview uh, governor candidates, congressional candidates, um, whatever. It, it's to just bring these ideas to a safe platform where you can just explain your ideas. Uh, a lot of libertarian candidates don't get much of the major press, so we got to do the hard work ourselves. Um, so explain to everybody who listens and who's watching, um, how do they follow your campaign, get involved, donate, uh, go to your website. If you can bring up your website, show everybody where to go. Sure. So how do you get involved in this campaign? You can go to jakefornasa.org. That's Jake, the number four, nasa.org. You can read a little bit about me, get to know me a little more. It's got a list of events. Um, our first event will be on August 24th. That's a Saturday, probably around 12, 1 o'clock at Forest City Park um, in Wontall. Uh, it's going to be great. We're going to have a barbecue, games for the kids, um, a big blow-up obstacle course for the kids. We're going to have live music. Um, a wonderful woman named Kate Zimmer. Uh, she's got a fantastic voice. She's sung at um, various events at jo not the Jones Beach Theater, but Jones Beach nonetheless, all over Manhattan. Um, Pretty impressive. It's going to be a lot of it's going <laughs> to it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Good. Um, now the other plea that I have to make here, um, and I almost feel like a beggar. But I guess as a politician, I have to do that now. Costs money to run campaigns. Sure. You know, unlike Democrats and Republicans, we do not have a massive budget. Um, I self-funded. The starting budget for this campaign was $250. Um, $250 hardly got us the first batch of flyers right. and, and business cards. Um, so we, we do rely on community donations. And so if you are feeling generous, let me show you how – you can check me out, how you can donate. Um, apologies for all of the audio-only viewers. Um, right here is a map of District 13. You should be able to blow this up on the video and tell where you live. From the Nassau County website, you can get to any district you want. You can see where you live, and you should research those candidates in your district. Um, well, we have good libertarians running elsewhere, um, but there are good people running elsewhere, and you should research them. Good, good news for you. I went to Mepham High School in Belmore. So North Belmore, vote for Jake. He's yes. in your territory. <laughs> I fully endorse a Jake Godowitz vote. Thank you. Thank you. Um, if you would like to donate via Venmo, this is our QR code. Uh, you can also find this on our website, on our donations page. Um, as far as our website, this is jakefornasa.org. Click, you know, learn how, learn more about what I'm about. Um, by all means, contact me. My email is here. We have a contact form. If you don't want to just send me an email, email me. Talk to me. I am happy to hear your concerns and hear how the Nassau County government might be able to alleviate them once and, I am. And, and that's the thing. The most important thing I advocate for is in order to change the landscape is to get involved locally first. The local localization and bringing more power back to the local communities is key. Because right now we shovel all our money upstate to Albany and we get pennies on a dollar in return for what we – and we basically fund the whole state from Nassau and Suffolk County. Well, yeah, let, let me bring up something you said before, right? You are talking about how 60 percent of our taxes go to education. But then you mentioned how we're not really highly ranked in education. Right. Um, well, the issue here is that we need to take back the power from the state to educate our children. Governor Cuomo has massively destroyed our education system with Common Core. Yep. Coming for is a massive nightmare. It's a failure. And teachers everywhere know it. And it's time Te to return. Teachers don't even know how to teach it. <laughs> well, and, and that's exactly it. And so we need to bring power to our back to our communities for our teachers to decide the curriculum. Yeah, we pay the these people decide. enough money. They can decide the curriculum, and they will be thrilled to do it. These teachers want to decide. They right. want to do what's best for our kids. They want to. And the government's not allowing them to do that. The bloated budgets, the pay administration, the bloated administrative backing of yes. the give the money to the teachers and allow the teachers to teach what they want to teach. They know better than the politicians. And that's exactly it. Yeah. So I encourage everybody who is listening to follow Jake. Um, also, you have a Twitter handle. Tell everybody yes, what to go on Twitter. follow me at Jake for NASA on, on Twitter. Um, we will have a Facebook page soon. Facebook is very heavily regulating political yes. campaigns right they now. Keep on sending notices. Yeah. And this so digital code. It's exactly. a nightmare. So it's becoming a little more difficult. Um, if you're feeling generous, donate. On this page here, we take 
any kind of payment under the sun from PayPal to Apple Pay to credit cards to anything. Awesome. Um, I so want to. Yeah. Uh, listen, I want to thank you. I want to wish you luck on your campaign. And to all my listeners via audio or video, you can follow me on at American Liberty Podcast on Facebook. Go to Instagram, American Liberty Podcast. Twitter, my Twitter handle is at Kev Wormhold. Also, subscribe to this show. We have a YouTube page up now, American Liberty Podcast. YouTube, subscribe. I need those subscribers. Also, uh, Stitcher, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and iTunes, and iHeartRadio. Um, we are on iHeartRadio as well. So I would like to encourage all of you who are listening to subscribe so you keep getting this great content, listening to these great candidates nationwide. We are a nationwide audience. Um, so even if you live in California and you're feeling like you want to give to Jake's campaign, give to his campaign because we need to start changing the landscape of government, and that is by electing libertarians and other independents. I'm just an advocate for other other choices other than the big two. So thank you once again, Jake, for coming on. I appreciate it. Um, and thank I will so much, keep in touch. And as we get closer to the campaign, I'd like to bring you back on uh, to till November. Definitely get you back on once again to get those voters. Well, thank you so much.